Ellen on politics. Together we'll stand. Welcome to Allen on Politics to all of you, those of you who are watching live as well as those of you who are watching the recorded version later on YouTube or listening to the podcast version on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, today's topic is inflation and particularly the politics of inflation. Now conservatives in the United States and probably elsewhere have been warning us of impending inflation for many, many years now. I think at least since the uh, government spending right after the 2008 financial crash, they've been predicting that we're going to have high inflation. And now, lo and behold, we finally do have some inflation. This uh, last year, inflation rate has been somewhere around 7.5% which is higher than any time since the 1970s, last time inflation was a real big actual issue as opposed to just a uh, future potential. So conservatives are warning now that we are spending too much money, the government's spending too much money, and we have to take measures to deal with this, either or both raising interest rates or cutting government spending, which always seems to be their go-to proposal, or keeping the um, government from, particularly the Democratic administration, from spending any more money to help people in any way. So what's, what's behind this? Of course, there's the usual Democrat versus Republican tug of war. We have the midterm elections coming up this year, and Republicans would like to hang this around the neck of the Democrats, and particularly the Biden administration, saying that uh, that extra spending at the beginning of the year for relief payments to people that we're still in the age of the pandemic was causing inflation that they spent too much and now we're paying the price and we need to reverse course by electing Republicans who are be much more parsimonious with the public purse. Um, of course there's that political dimension but I think there's something even deeper going on here uh, I'm not an economist, so if I'm misstating some economic principles, those of you who are better informed can, of course, put this in the chat or in the comments later on. I'm a political scientist, so I look at this not from the standpoint so much of a hypothetical free market, which is always tending towards equilibrium. I look at it from the position of power dynamics. And what I see happening here, as usual in the United States, is not simply the two parties fighting with each other. It's really a matter of the power of the very wealthy against the rest of us who are not as wealthy or maybe don't have any wealth whatsoever in many cases. And it's also the power of employers over employees, that is, the bosses over the workers. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute, but first let's talk about inflation in the simplest terms. Go back to Econ 101, okay? You have supply and demand, and inflation is a rise in prices whenever supply goes down or demand goes up. Uh, good morning. I see two people in the chat already. It's good to see you here. So inflation happens when demand goes up or when supply goes down. 
Now, I want you to think, first of all, about that word demand and what that implies. Uh, supply is a, is a fine word. It simply means what's available for people to purchase, right? But demand, think of how that usually sounds. He's very demanding or they're demanding a lot. What we're really talking about here is people's needs as well as their desires. So when people are spending money on things like food and housing and medicine and uh, used car and gas for that car to get to a job somewhere, we're not talking about them demanding something. We're talking about them meeting their basic needs. So I'm not sure why economists came up with that word demand when we're really simply talking about human needs and desires. Sounds a little more neutral to me, a little more benign on the part of the people who are being, uh, who are going to be the victims of these policies, in my opinion. Okay, so prices are going up. Maybe your income is not going up as fast as prices, so you're paying more for food, housing, gas, etc. And this is a strain on the pocketbooks of most voters. And ostensibly, this is what the uh, conservatives are trying to address is, you know, the pain felt by ordinary people. But as I said, I think that's not really the motive here. The motive is to benefit the wealthy and employers. All right, so how is that happening? First, what is the cause of the present inflation? Now, I don't know that anyone has definitively assessed this, and I don't know that they'll be able to come to a real uh, clear consensus for a number of years after studying all the data. But we know there's several things that factor into it, and very few of them have to do with tamping down demand, that is, making it, uh, making, giving people less money, making sure people have less money so they don't have it to spend. The, uh, the causes of the current inflation, of course, number one is the pandemic. We, we've all heard about the supply chain issues, and it simply means that uh, during the pandemic, uh, there were uh, people were in lockdown, so it was uh, difficult for it, they weren't going to work, and things weren't being produced as much, particularly in other countries where we get a lot of our products and the components of our products from. Take, for example, the computer chips in new cars come from Asia, and if they had more stringent lockdowns than we do, which they often did, then there's not going to be people in the factories producing those computer chips for cars, and they're not going to be sending those chips over here to put into the new cars. Therefore, it's the price of cars is going to go up because we're not producing as many, and people can't get a new car. They're going to hang on to their old car, so people who need a used car are going to find less used cars to buy. So the prices of used car goes up and really used cars is one of the areas in our economy where the price has gone up the fastest. So supply chain issues. There is a little bit of a demand change, which comes in the form of people shifting their spending from certain kind of things to other things from services to products essentially means they're not going out to restaurants or movies or plays or concerts or bars. What they're doing or what they had been doing more, less and less so now, but what they have been doing is staying home. So they would purchase things online like uh, things for home improvement pro 
projects or exercise equipment or webcams for zooming into meetings and to school. So they are purchasing a lot of things and that meant that the people supplying that stuff all of a sudden had a higher demand and they had a ramp up production at the same time they were dealing with workers getting sick or lockdowns and quarantines or countries blocking borders, uh, restricting travel so it was hard to get things out. So change in demand and a reduced supply due to the pandemic, big cause of the current inflation. But there's other causes as well, a lot of them more long term. Number one, oil. The price of oil has gone up and it's gone up continuously. Why? Because we've reached a point where the easy to get at oil is running low. So fossil fuel companies drilling for oil are undertaking harder to get at oil pro projects. That is things like um, deep sea drilling, very expensive to invest in that, very hard to get at, or shale oil, various kinds of oil extraction that require more of a capital investment and are riskier because as we saw these a storm can take down a rig in the ocean and you have a gigantic oil spill that's not that's going to cost the oil company a lot of money and not going to produce much oil so the cost of oil is up because it's harder to get at and if we had shifted to renewable energy a while back, this wouldn't be as much as a problem, but we didn't. Uh, oil companies have a lot of political clout, and they wanted to make sure that those assets that they had invested in oil production are being used, and they're getting the maximum value out of it as they slowly shift to maybe renewable energy. So oil is a factor. Now, speaking about uh, shifting to renewable energy, Climate change is also a cause of inflation and is going to continue to be a cause. A cause We can't do a lot about this unless we suddenly shift to uh, taking climate change seriously. The main way it affects inflation is in food prices. Droughts in the United States, particularly in the West here in California, they produce a lot of the food for this country, but in other places as well. Drought has made it more expensive to raise crops. A lot of crops are failing because of the drought. Uh, farmers are having to learn to adapt, institute new measures to bring water to their crops, uh, different types of irrigation, shifting to different crops, and they're on a learning curve about those crops. So in a lot of ways, climate change is feeding into inflation, excuse me, particularly in food prices, and it's going to continue to do that into the future. All right, so what else is causing inflation? Well, we talked about climate change, now big disasters like floods, wildfires, hurricanes, destroying housing stock, right? So the cost of housing has already been going up because people are trying to move where the jobs are. It's putting a greater demand on the limited supply of housing. Uh, and investors have been seeing opportunities during financial crises like 2009 and ongoing that they can snap up real estate and then bid up the price, make a capital gain and rent it out and get uh, money through ongoing rental payments as well. So instead of a lot of homeowners, we have more and more rentals. 
At the same time, climate change is destroying housing stock in different parts of the country. And that means there's more renters making more demand on the housing stock. So housing prices are going to continue to go up as well. So we have a lot of causes of inflation. And we don't want to neglect the idea that companies are trying to maintain profits regardless of whether they're being affected by these price changes or not. Some companies are definitely going to be affected by the increased cost of supplies and the difficulty of getting them. Um, on the other hand, uh, some companies are not as affected. And if they see prices going up and they expect prices to continue to go up, they'll think, well, we need to raise our prices as well in order to make sure we have the money in the future to pay for things in case the costs go up as well, say the cost of wages, but also cost of the supplies that they have. So maintaining profits. Now, when you maintain profits, it's either at the expense of the consumer or at the expense of the workers. And this brings us to the proposals that are being put out there for what to do about inflation. As I said, conservatives have always been saying we need to cut government spending and they use inflation now as an excuse for that. So what happens when you cut government spending, particularly for things like uh, programs that help people get by day to day, programs that are meant to help people that are in some way financially struggling? This goes back to the idea of effective demand. Now, if you're trying to reduce demand, that is, you're having people spend less money on stuff so the prices won't be so high, by restricting government spending on the people who have the least or who are experiencing the greatest financial hardship, you're simply taking money away from them in order to make sure they're not spending. Now, that's kind of a cruel way to reduce inflation. Yes, it will benefit a lot of other consumers if prices go down, but if the people who are most vulnerable and dependent on government support when they're either losing jobs or not able to find jobs or um, disabled or in an area where there are not a lot of jobs, people that have financial hardship, if you're cutting spending on them, they simply are gonna stop spending on the things that they really need. You may end up with more homeless. We are ending up with more homeless. They're going to cut back on their use of medical um, me medical supplies like pharmaceuticals. Uh, they're going to cut back on their food. Uh, try to, you know, they can end up living in their cars. So these are not the people that should be taking the brunt of trying to address inflation. Yet conservatives are focusing on that without regard to the effect on real people. The other thing that conservatives are proposing, and this is a more widespread idea, is that the Federal Reserve should raise interest rates. Now, this is a little more complex, um, but the general idea is that if the central bank raises interest rates, then companies will have a more difficult time borrowing money to invest in new projects, and they won't be hiring as many people, therefore, People will be out of work. There'll be um, less of a tight labor market where workers are hard to find so they can bid up wages. And so wages should come down. The, that's the idea. Now, again, what you're doing is taking the money out of the pocket of workers so that they're not spending as much to bid up prices. 
help some people who have the money but are uh, have lower prices now but for the people who have less money the lower prices are not as helpful they just don't have as much money to spend so these proposals of cutting government spending and raising interest rates are going to hurt the people who are poor and the people who are workers that are vulnerable in the in the labor market and it's also going to give employers the upper hand in uh, trying to break the formation of unions and trying to hold wages and benefits down. If people are aware that there's more unemployed workers, they're going to be less demanding, that word again, demanding of higher wages and better benefits, uh, and be more willing to take jobs at lesser terms. So behind these proposals is, in my opinion, an attack by employers on workers and also who does benefit from this well the people that are hurt by inflation doesn't include just people paying higher prices for things it includes bondholders so the wealthy hold a lot of bonds and with bonds if there's inflation you're getting paid with money that's worth less than you originally lent out so if you lend out money when it's worth more and then later on the money becomes less in value due to the rise in prices, you're paid back with money that's not worth as much. So it hurts bondholders, and they will be the ones pressuring the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. They get nervous about interest rates getting it right as well, but this is a measure that's supposed to protect the wealthy and their assets as much as it is to help the employers to reduce wages and the demands of employees. Um, let me check my notes because uh, we're live and I'm not always going to remember everything I wanted to say. Um, okay, that's my main point. Where are we at? We're, we've got about 10 minutes left. Let me see what's going on in the chat. wonder if there's a lot of empty housing. People just can't afford it. What do you think? And uh, another chat, uh, another viewer is saying, yeah, there already is. Yeah, that's very true because um, if you hold housing as an investment, you're not as concerned about having um, renters as you are about the appreciation and value of the housing. And if you can get renters in at a higher price, you're going to hold out for that. Now, if the price of housing is going up, there's going to be fewer people that can afford the big housing. In the recent past, most housing construction has been targeting higher income buyers because there's a greater profit margin when you sell big houses to people who have more money. There's been less investment in producing housing for people who are lower down on the scale. So you have a situation now where People who can in any way afford it, that is, since the um, rentals are going up, people that can scrape together enough money to rent a place where, where it's uh, more expensive will do that. And then you'll have everybody fighting over the rest. So there's not going to be as many people that can afford that kind of housing. So I do think there is empty housing, particularly in some areas where people don't necessarily want to live. That's my sense of it. Not a specialist in housing. We are in a housing bubble. Um, I think that may be true. That's the ch the chatter is asking 
the chat the person in the chat the chatter doesn't sounds a little demeaning uh, the person in the chat is is asking about whether investors are going to benefit in the long term well that's hard to judge a lot of what the um how the wealthy are getting wealthier is because their assets are rapidly gaining in value. Now, I think one of the main dynamics behind that is that as the government has pushed more money into the system, uh, the Federal Reserve is buying up, all, had been buying up a lot of commercial bonds and even uh, some other instruments. And so, people who had money had more money to spend they could borrow money from their banks at low interest rates the uh, companies could sell bonds and what what are they doing with that money they don't see as many opportunities to make money producing things for people because people haven't had as much money to spend uh, we have the growing gap between the wealthy and the less wealthy so if they can't see productive investments they're going to invest in uh, speculation. They're going to buy stuff in the hopes that the price is going to rise over time. So they've been pumping a lot of money into stocks and real estate and you would think at some point those prices are going to come down because they're higher than you can get a return on. Uh, that's been the history of capitalism. Uh, speculative bubbles. Hard to predict when and how this is going to happen. Particularly if the rich keep getting richer uh, they're going to keep bidding up those prices with with stocks. I'm not sure. I think there's going to be corrections in the future with housing. If everybody's becoming renters, the housing is still going to be valuable because you can keep, uh, you can pay off the real estate that you own through the rental incomes coming in and uh, you still own it as an asset and you keep extracting money from renters. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to tell what this is going to result in. I think one of the more likely outcomes is that the rich are going to keep getting richer, even if uh, compared to the rest of us, even if the price of their assets fall, uh, they're still going to be a lot wealthier than the rest of us because they're concentrating wealth at the top and all those areas in which companies are making profits at the expense of the rest of us through, say, financial services, um, pharmaceutical companies raising prices, whatever the market will bear. People feel like captive audience. They have to borrow money to get by, to buy a car, to try to buy a house. They have to pay rent. They have to have medical care. All those things are going to keep people at the bottom from doing much better. Um, let's see what else is being said in the chat. Uh, Renee has lots of ideas here. The rich are so rich they can afford shovel mansions and several houses are empty. That's very true. Yeah, those are big mansions. I'm not sure how many of us could afford a mansion like that, even if it was available for uh, buying or renting. But uh, maybe somebody who is in the near rich could afford to get a few of those places and they could move up from what they have and the rest of us could move up as well. I don't know. I don't know that much about housing. housing. I know more about politics, a little bit about economics. Um, hard to tell what's going to come in the future. Straight for a big recession? Well, as I started to say, um, okay, this this uh, person chatting is talking about maybe there's a recession coming. The history of capitalism has been one of periodic crises, going from recessions where there's a high unemployment rate and people are suffering, 
not only are they unemployed, but wages are falling because there's so many unemployed that employers can drive a hard bargain with workers and then veering toward inflation, which uh, hurts people as well through higher prices. So we've continually veered between those one and another, and there's always been the hope that in some way this can be managed maybe by uh, leaving the market to itself or maybe by wise government interventions in order to smooth things out. And there was a hope for a time during the so-called golden decades of, say, the late 50s and the 60s that maybe we had it figured out with Keynesian uh, economic policies. We could you know, smooth out the business cycles and uh, capitalism could continue to grow and benefit us all. Of course, that didn't happen. We had phenomenal inflation in the 1970s, and since then we've had a number of recessions. Uh, in 2008, we had a big recession, biggest since uh, the Great Depression, I think. And now we've got inflation again, the highest since the 1970s. It's primarily because we have a, a variety of businesses all seeking profit, and there's nobody to step in and try to manage things, make sure that's uh, running smoothly, the economy is running smoothly. That was the argument of socialists that you can't get rid of the business cycle until you get rid of capitalism. I'm inclined to agree with them, uh, but I'd say, you know, what socialism looks like is the big question for socialists now. What kind of socialism would we move toward if we want to get out of this uh, continual perpetual cycle of financial crises and the rich getting richer and the rest of us not? I'm reading the chat again, and we're getting close to the end of this. Hard to imagine the ability to own for many people. It is renting for life in many of these bigger cities. Uh, again, predicting the future is difficult, but that's certainly the case right now. If renting costs are going up, you're never going to be able to get a down payment together. And if the housing supply doesn't pick up, then there's not going to be as much available at an affordable price. So at the price of housing and at the rate people are spending money on rent, I don't see how people are going to be able to afford to buy housing. Uh, things would have to change pretty radically to get to the point where we have the kind of homeowner nation we used to have. I think we're heading, unfortunately, in the opposite direction. So that's my take on inflation now. So much more could be said. Uh, I thank you again for listening in, and I hope you come back next week. I'll be live streaming on Saturday mornings at 8.30 Pacific time for about a half an hour, which seems to go by really fast. I'm on a learning curve, learning about uh, live streaming, so I hope you bear with me as I try to gradually improve the production values and get comfortable with this medium. Uh, thanks again for listening in. And I hope you come back next week. Bye now.